Hey y'all, I'm Melanie. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Old North State Podcast. We're bringing you on a deep dive into all things North Carolina. Hello. Hello. Is is that you? It's I don't it's, know. It's been so long. I know. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. 2022. Back at you. We made it. Welcome. Um, yeah. Hopefully everyone survives the holidays. Yes. Well, it's back to work, so let's do it. <laughs> uh, some of you may have noticed that I did not re-record our introduction because I got complaints Yeah, I that th- I wanted to re-record it, so... I think they're sticking around. Yeah. You know, the only thing I would change is, you know, making that little piano jingle actually the old North State song like I thought it was for the first six months. I am not going to infringe on any copyright and or trademark laws. Okay. I just wish that I had known. I saw you play the piano when we recorded it. (laughs) I saw you looking at the printed out... (laughs) I took the printed out notes about the song. I just put two and two together. <laughs> I can't read sheet music. I thought you were reading. No, I made up the first part. And then the last part, I took two notes from that song and I made them my own. Hmm. We'll check to see if it's public domain. If it is, we're that's, doing it. That's a you job. All right. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about none other than the queen herself. The queen of the queen city. I wish. Queen Charlotte. Oh, nice. I'm a big (laughs) Charlotte fan. I don't know if you know this. Big big Charlotte guy here. Yeah. I am also drinking my tea out of my queen city mug that says Charlotte on it, established 1768. How great. Um, But before we talk about... And that's the tea. the, The queen herself... Um, instead of doing fun or fun North Carolina facts before our episodes, we're going to be doing something a little different. We are going to be telling you all of the county names and where the name come from, comes from. That's fun because, uh, one of our past episodes, I think the fun fact is that North Carolina has a hundred counties. North Carolina does have a hundred counties. Yeah. So what's the first one. We are going in alphabetical order. So number one, good old Alamance County. If you do not know where Alamance County is. Ooh, tell me on the hand. Um, For those at home, if you put your left <laughs> hand out in front of you and you direct your, your finger ridge towards the right, your your fingers kind of make like a, almost like the coastline. Um, so with that being said. I would say it's kind of where... My middle line is, you know how, you know how we, your palms make like a little M? Yeah. Like if you're, if you're writing an M, the second line. Is it? One of the interslants. Um. In that area. So like between your ring and middle finger line, a little bit in, towards the palm? No. Between my pointer finger and my middle finger. Perfect. And then a little bit towards the palm? Yeah. Okay. Great. So if I was from like another state and I only knew where Raleigh and Charlotte were, 
I would say figure out where Chapel Hill is and drive west. Great. Cool. <laughs> um, and then I have another fun fact. Because who cares about Raleigh? Or were you done? I was done. I have a fun fact just because it came up in my personal life. But North Carolina has 15 electoral votes in the Electoral College. That's not directed towards anyone in particular. Um, but <laughs> it just happened to be on my phone. And I thought I should share it with the world in case you were wondering. 15 votes. Yeah. All right. Want to get us started? Oh, yeah, I guess I should do that. <clears throat> Without further ado, Sophia Charlotte was born May 19th, 1744, to Duke Charles Louis Frederick of Mecklenburg, the Prince of Miro, and Princess Elizabeth Albertine of Saxe Hilde Hild Hildberghausen in Mecklenburg Strelitz, which is a small North uh, German duchy in the Holy Roman Empire. She was the youngest child to her parents and was brought up at Unter Schloss, or the lower castle in Miro. Yeah, a lot of these words are from a different land. Um, so give us, you know, I mean, we're all, we're all in North adults Carolina here. here. Half the words we say are mispronounced anyways, so yeah. I feel like y'all will forgive us. And if you don't, um, I don't care. Charlotte received a basic education like that of the daughter of an English countryman. She received instruction in botany, natural history, and language. Her education focused on religion taught by a priest and household management. When her brother, Aldolphus Frederick, succeeded to the ducal throne in 1752, she gained experience of court life and royal duties. King George III seceded to the throne in 1760. Prior to this, he had refused to get married while King George II was still alive because he hated him. Hmm. Of the eight eligible German bachelorettes, Charlotte was literally King George III's last choice. He had already eliminated other princesses for little things like strong philosophical views, stubbornness, and one of them had a very obnoxious mother. Charlotte appealed to him because she had been brought up in a fairly insignificant area of Germany and she had no experience or any interest in politics. Is like in my head I'm imagining the like the bachelor mm -hmm. where he has, you know, these eight women in front of him. He's like you know, here's the final rose. No, 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 no. You know when Lord Farquaad is talking to the <laughs> mirror on the wall. <laughs> And no, here we have Charlotte <laughs> Sophia from Checks Notes, the countryside. <laughs> she likes flowers, bathing, and she's on the fence about religion. <laughs> Pick number three, my lord. Exactly. <laughs> George III announced his intent to marry Charlotte in July 1761. A party of escorts led by the Earl of Harcourt immediately departed for Germany. The group reached Strelitz on August 14, 1761, and the next day they were greeted by the Duke, Charlotte's brother Adolphus, who he, and then he signed the marriage contract. Charlotte and her escorts left for England on August 17th, following three days of public celebration. That's quite the honeymoon. Or I guess they hadn't engagement met yet. party? Um, engagement party without the 
groom. Ah, pre-reveal. Yeah. So on August 22nd, they reached Cuxhaven, where a small fleet was waiting to bring them to England. The voyage was difficult, and many got seasick during the three storms they met at sea. On September 7th, they landed at Harwich and immediately set out for London. They arrived at St. James's Palace in London on, at 3.30 p.m. on September 8th, where Charlotte was met with the king and his family at the Garden Gate. This was the first meeting between bride and groom, and six hours later, they would be married. That's romance, you know? Absolutely. Kids these days with their online dating, that's, you know, that's how romance is supposed to be. You just show up and get married? Exactly. <laughs> at 9 p.m., the wedding ceremony was held at the Chapel Royal in Saint, at St. James's Palace and was conducted by the Archbishop of Canterbury. Due to the chaos and hastiness of Charlotte's departure from Germany, the wrong measurements were sent to the royal dressmakers. How embarrassing. So Charlotte marched down the aisle in a noticeably ill-fitting jewel-encrusted gown. Speaking no English, Charlotte said her vows in German before the royal family, a few members of her own family that traveled from Germany, and a handful of guests. Charlotte was only 17 years old, and George was 22. Wow. Romance. Absolutely. Her eyes emoji. Yeah. Sparks flying everywhere. I agree. On September 22nd, 1761, King George III was formally crowned king at Westminster Abbey. Afterwards, Charlotte was crowned queen consort in a shorter ceremony. The entire coronation process took six hours, and then there was a big feast and celebration. George and Charlotte were actually a pretty decent love match. The pair bonded over music. They frequently attended concerts. They played duets together on the piano. Uh, George was known to give Charlotte pecks on the cheek, and on at least one occasion during a trip, he picked her up and carried her in his arms into a room after giving her a big hug. They even shared the same bed for decades, which threw the royal court for a loop. I love the things that managed to stay in history, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> that like, they loved so, each other. <laughs> like, yeah, right? Someone, like, he gave her a little peck on the cheek and someone in the background is like, oh, I got to write that down. Yeah, well, you know, that's like, you know, they didn't like love each tabloids. other. Tabloids. <laughs> yeah. You know. The Brangelina of their time. Like Bridgerton. That's a, that's a you show. That's true. So St. James's Palace was George and Charlotte's main residence, but the king had recently purchased the Buckingham House. It was a smaller and house, and it was originally intended to be a private retreat, but they moved there permanently in 1762, and then it became known as Buckingham Palace. Charlotte loved Buckingham Palace, and it was frequently called the Queen's House. Have you been there before? I've never been to England. Oh, I just assumed it was part of your Europe trip. No, strictly continental Europe. Hmm. Yeah. So their first child, George, Prince of Wales, was born on August seventeenth or August twelfth, seventeen sixty-two. Can't can't screw that up. I know. <laughs> the crowds will go wild. Yeah. <laughs> the couple had fifteen children total, fourteen of which were born at Buckingham Palace. Uh, George, Frederick, William, Charlotte, Edward, Augustus, Sophia, Elizabeth, Ernest, Augustus, Frederick, Adolphus. 
Mary, Sophia, Octavius, Alfred, and Amelia. Where do you think the 15th one was uh, born? Like on the side of the road somewhere? Um, I think George was born before they moved into Buckingham Palace. Ah. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having 15 children meant that Charlotte was constantly pregnant, and she did not like it, and I do not blame her. When she was pregnant with her 14th child, Alfred, she wrote, I don't think a prisoner could wish more ardently for his liberty than I wish to rid of my burden and see the end of my campaign. I would be happy if I knew this was the last time, end quote. Alfred only lived two years and died after becoming ill from smallpox. Um, a, excuse me. He died from a smallpox inoculation in 1782, which means he got a vaccine and he died. End of sentence. End of sentence and end of conversation. Son Octavius died a year later, uh, actually from smallpox, and Charlotte took their deaths very hard. The queen often found solace in music, especially that of German composers like um, Handel, Johann Christian Bach, and Mozart. Uh, this Bach was considered to be a friend of the queen, and she even helped him become the state musician after Handel died in 1759. And Johann Christian Bach is not to be confused with Johann Sebastian Bach. Yeah, completely different. Um, just father and son, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the age of eight, Mozart performed for the Queen and was invited to the fourth anniversary of the King's Ascension in 1764. Mozart also dedicated his opus number three to Charlotte when it was published in 1765. For those at home, um, notice the the dates, the year that we're talking about, and uh, think about what's happening in the States at that time. 1776. We're getting there. <laughs> um, Charlotte also found great joy in botany. It was something that she loved very much. She took interest in designing some of the royal gardens like that at Kew, and her interest led to the bird of paradise being named Strelitzia Regina in her honor. In December of 1800, Charlotte introduced England to the Christmas tree. Whoop, whoop. It was a yew tree rather than a fir um, that was to be decorated with sweetmeats, almonds, raisins and papers, fruits, wax candles, and toys. The original charcuterie board was a Christmas tree. <laughs> I made a Christmas tree charcuterie at Jason's parents' house, and yeah. it was great. The whole party was talking about it. For sure. The yew tree was usually a private thing, but Charlotte turned it into a public celebration that could be enjoyed by her family and friends. She placed the tree in one of the largest rooms in the palace, and the whole royal court would gather and sing carols. Charlotte also decided to throw a Christmas party that first year for the children of the nobility, and at the end, each child took either a toy or sweets from the tree to return home with. Truly a Christmas icon, Queen Charlotte was. Queen Charlotte um, had strained relationships with her mother-in-law, Princess Augusta, who frequently interfered with Charlotte's attempts to make friends. Augusta appointed people to Charlotte's staff who were expected to report back on what Charlotte was doing and saying. Despite Augusta's attempts to thwart her reputation, Charlotte was known as being a very warm person, especially to her and her children's attendants. 
She founded a number of orphanages, and in 1809, she became patron of the General Lying-In Hospital, which was renamed as the Queen's Hospital and included a maternity ward in her name. Today, it is called the Queen Charlotte and Chelsea Hospital, and it is still the oldest maternity care institution in England. It's pretty wholesome. Absolutely. Um, Charlotte had some indirect influence on the king's political affairs since they had some they had a really good relationship, and she took particular interest in German matters. It was due to her efforts that the king supported British intervention during the War of the Bavarian Secession. Charlotte used her closeness to George to keep herself informed and would discreetly recommend people for office. What a power couple. I agree. In 1765, King George III had his first bout with mental illness that scholars today believe was probably a genetic disorder called porphyria. Regency Bill of 1765 stated that if the king should become permanently incapacitated by his illness, that Charlotte would become regent. Princess Augusta and Lord Boot vehemently opposed the bill, but since the illness was temporary, Charlotte was kept in the dark about it as well as the Regency bill. If I had a mental illness, I would tell you. Thank you. Same. I think I have told you. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage. Pills, baby. <laughs> oh, gosh. In 1788, King George III had another bout of mental illness that was accompanied by physical symptoms. He had hallucinations, insomnia, severe stomach pains, and had convulsions so violent that his aides would have to sit on him to keep him safe. One time, he planted a stake in the ground, fully expecting a beef tree to grow. I mean, scientifically speaking. Scientifically speaking, do you think, um, do you think he had any hallucinations about Alexander Hamilton? Um, probably. What if, like, it was one of those weird time <laughs> loop things where? He was experiencing the Hamilton play in his head, and he was hearing voices, and like yeah. just Lin Manuel Miranda's voice, like spin, spin just, historical just facts at him, and he's like, "What is this?" And everybody Demons. thought he was crazy. Exactly. <laughs> and all he, he could just tell the future. <laughs> it's gonna be a Broadway play. I solved it. Somebody give that <laughs> substitute teacher a job. Speaking of Hamilton. Oh, yep. Now's the time. Speaking of Hamilton, um, North Carolina native Ariana DeBose was in the original cast of Hamilton, and she is also starred as Anita in Steven Spielberg's most recent hit, West Side Story. And she will be hosting Saturday Night Live on January 15th, so everybody needs to go watch it. Absolutely. Yes, and she and I, 15 years ago, spent three weeks in Europe together with people-to-people, student ambassadors. So, I know her. We're Facebook friends. And now she's hosting SNL. Wow. Yes. NC, baby. NC. Yeah, she is extremely talented. Um, So, and if you've seen Hamilton on Disney Plus or whatever, she was the one holding the bullet at the duel. Are you telling me that a girl that went to Durham Public Schools is no, the person she, who killed Alexander Hamilton? She went to um, – Oh, that's right. You just went on the trip with her. She went to Wake, Wake, Wake County Public Schools. So North Carolina Public Schools <laughs> was the bullet that shot Alexander Hamilton? Yes. Wow. Yeah. History. Absolutely. History and, has its eyes on her. And King George saw it in a, in a, in a, in a premonition. Exactly. Yep. You so, heard it here first. <laughs> yes. Um, This terrified the queen, 
you know, the whole beef tree thing that we were just talking about. Uh, one night he collapsed and she refused to be alone with him and insisted she be given her own bedroom. I'm sure that was hard to find in the palace. After the doctor was called, Charlotte was not given an opportunity to speak with him and was not informed of the king's condition. The Prince of Wales, um, Charlotte's oldest son, George, did tell Charlotte that the king would be moved to Coup in order to hide the extent of his illness from the public, and she would be moved to the queen's house or to Windsor instead. She insisted to accompany George and brought along her daughters. They were taken separately and were kept secluded from George during his illness. They visited the king regularly, but the visits were awkward because he tended to act inappropriately towards women and would sometimes embrace them and refuse to let go. You know my buddy uh, Mason? Yeah. Sometimes when he's too drunk, which is at least, you know, when I knew him a lot of the time, he would do this thing where he would hug someone tall's leg because he's like 5'4 or 5'6 or whatever. And which is not let go. So Stephen, who lives in Alaska now, these are my fraternity brothers, not historical people, um, <laughs> is six foot something. So Mason would just grab onto his leg and keep him there for like 20 minutes. And you wouldn't, you couldn't talk to the dude. Like he, he just wouldn't have it. He was in leg humping mode, just like King George. So conflict <laughs> soon arose between the queen and her eldest son who were in a power struggle on who would assume the regency. Should the king be declared unfit to rule? The queen suspected that the prince was planning to have the king declared insane, and the prince thought that the queen was planning to have him deemed sane in order to assume the throne. Man, family drama. Yeah, talk about family drama. The conflict came to a head after the Regency Bill of 1789, which declared the prince was regent if the king became permanently insane, but it was also put the king himself... Um, his court and his minor children under the guardianship of the queen. The queen used the bill in her favor, refusing to let the prince see the king after he had been declared sane in the spring of 1789. The prince declared in an argument that, the Charlotte, that Charlotte was siding with the enemies, and she in turn called him an enemy of the king. The feud became public when Charlotte refused to invite him to a concert held in the celebration of the king's recovery. The mother and son eventually reconciled in the March of 1791. When did the Revolutionary War end? Um, I don't know. I went to public school. Um, 1781? Want to look it up real quick? Yeah. Beginning in 1804, the king's declining mental health led the queen to eating and sleeping in separate rooms, and she tried to avoid him as much as possible. This had a negative effect on Charlotte. She developed a temper, sank into a deep depression, and no longer enjoyed going out in public. The relationship with her own other children were also strained during this time. She distracted herself and with more botany by planting gardens and a new residence for herself called the Frogmore House. <laughs> Frogmore was a country retreat for her and her unmarried daughters and the residents played a key part in George's Golden Jubilee in 1809. Do you think that she had little ceramic frogs, like those little ceramic angels at the Frogmore house? She probably made them herself, you know, with all of her spare time. She might have. Um, so everybody knows the Revolutionary War was fought between 1775 and 1783. Great. Um, 
which would include the time that he planted the beef tree, right? Yeah, I guess us Americans just oh, drove seventeen eighty eight was his beef was his tree beef incident. Tree. What if that had worked? Wouldn't that have been funny? It would have been an anomaly for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, technically, if you planted beef and grass grew there and you brought a, like a cow and the cow, you know, ate the grass. What you're describing is a circle of life. It could happen. Yeah. <laughs> the antelope eat the grass. And then we the- eat the antelope. And then the the cow gave birth to a calf. After it, somebody knows. Somebody gets what I'm saying out there. I get what you're saying. Okay. Um, I just try to sum it up in a yeah, well, you know, a non beef tree way. Um, so in 1811, King George III was officially put under the Queen's guardianship in accordance with the Regency Bill of 1789. Although she remained supportive of him, and he was. And his legal guardian, she stopped visiting him after June of 1812 due to his erratic behavior. When she died, he was incapable of understanding what happened. Sad. Queen Charlotte died on November 17, 1818, from congestive heart failure while holding the hands of her eldest son as she sat in an armchair in the Surrey. She was buried at St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle. King George III died 14 months later of pneumonia. At the time of his death, he was blind, deaf, lame, and had been declared insane. That is quite the way to go. I know. That was just sad to me. Yeah. Serving 57 years and 70 days, Queen Charlotte was the longest-serving female consort in British history and the second-longest-serving consort after Prince Philip. Who just died recently, last year. R.I.P. At the time of her death, her estate was worth... Oh gosh, ten million four hundred and fifty thousand seven twenty nine pounds. Ugh, wonder how much that is in real money. It's in today's money. Uh, but pounds. Jesus. Yeah, with her jewels being the biggest portion of her asset. Good old family jewels. Hold on, you. Uh, let me figure out the pounds conversion. So, tell a joke or something. Um. Man, I know jokes. Wow. That's, Why can't I think of anything? It's 14 million, um, $143,598.60. Isn't it wild that to myself, I was like, 14 million, that's nothing. It's like, <laughs> we have people who have debt bigger than that. That uh, is true. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Yeah. So, um, now we are going to get into the topic of Queen Charlotte's race. Because we ourselves made the claim that Charlotte was the first black uh, queen. Yeah, that's what the library told me. So, several people have theorized over the years that Charlotte is the first black mixed race and or biracial queen in British history. And that conversation came up once again uh, when Meghan Markle and Prince Harry were married. The theory first originated from Jamaican-American author J.A. Rogers and his book, Sex and Race, Volume 1. He concluded that Charlotte must have had a, quote, Negro strain, end quote, 
Solely based off his observations regarding her nostrils and lips in a 1761 portrait by Alan Ramsey. So Alan Ramsey was the one who painted Charlotte the most. So most of his paintings of her look very similar. We know that artists of the time were expected to downplay and soften features in paintings, especially that of women, if they did not meet the beauty standards of the time. Um, and also, some of, if you've ever looked at old paintings, some of them aren't that good. I was going to say, Mona Lisa is no babe, and like mm -hmm. everyone's seen her face. Yeah. So. And also, um, if, <laughs> Mona Lisa is about is smaller than your degree. That's how big that painting is. For those at home, she is pointing <laughs> <laughs> right now to the degree that's hanging up in our guest bedroom slash so podcast studio. If you take just like your degree and you take off the green part in the frame and you flip it, that's how big the Mona Lisa is. It's like the size of a sheet of paper. It's tiny. That is um, beyond disappointing. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine the disappointment. You're like, yeah, I'm going to go see the Mona Lisa today. And then you get there and... Not only is it tiny, but there is a glass box jutting like a foot out from it, and it's just like swarmed with people. <laughs> no wonder that guy was able to steal it. He probably just put it <laughs> under a sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, Charlotte was famously ugly and <laughs> was always described as being small with a crooked and plain face. So, it's no wonder that her portraits aren't that great. Charlotte, if you're hearing us in the afterlife, true beauty comes from the inside, okay? And I give you full permission to come and haunt me. Hey, <laughs> do you know what? She's actually never been to Charlotte. Um, I do know that. So, uh, you know, she wouldn't know how to find us. She, um, she's an otherworldly spirit. <laughs> colonizer, colonizer. <laughs> they can do whatever they want. Find these podcast hosts for me. Anyway, um, Baron Stockmar once described the queen as having a, quote, mulatto face, end quote, when she was a baby. However, he was born in 1787 and did not meet her until two years before her death. And as we know, she was born in 1744. So it would have been impossible for him to know what she looked like as an infant. <laughs> Guy's always lying. Yeah. So the biggest argument for Charlotte's black ancestry comes from a PBS writer named Mario de Valdez E. Cocom? I was going to say Cocoam, like from <laughs> Pocahontas. Yeah, Sorry, go on. I, I wrote Cocoam a few times on accident. Um, so also basing his theory off of a portrait by Alan Ramsey, he claims that she has, quote, unmistakable African appearance, end quote, which he believed is a result of potential African ancestry. Valdez uses Charlotte's genealogy, specifically the D'Souza family line, to point to this. It is believed that she is a descendant of Margarita de Castro y Souza, who was a noblewoman in Portugal that is nine generations removed from Charlotte. Margarita's ancestry is then traced back another few generations to a mistress of King Alfonso III of Portugal named Madragana. In the 13th century, Alfonso III conquered a little town named Faro from the Moors, which was the last Moorish stronghold in Portugal. At the time, the Moors held the Iberian Peninsula, parts of North Africa, Malta, and Sicily. Alfonso demanded the governor's daughter, Madragana, as a paramour, or as basically a lover. 
and had at least two children with her. One of their illegitimate... That was fantastic. (laughs) Illegitimate sons. Martin Alfonso married into the noble de Souza family. So take all of that together, wrap it into your brain, and then I'm going to change it. So it's now believed that Madragana was actually Mozarab, which is a Christian living under Muslim slash Moorish rule in Spain at the time. So even if Madragana was a Moor, that did not necessarily mean that she was black because the term was used to describe religious affiliation and not race. So furthermore, ancestry that traces that far back, nearly 15 generations and 500 years, would be too diluted for any genetic contribution to Charlotte's appearance. So Charlotte also shares genealogy with a significant portion of European royalty, including her own husband, King George III. So that would essentially mean everyone who is related to Madragana or the D'Souza family is therefore black, which, as we know, is not the case. What you're trying to tell me is that when she was filling out college applications, she technically could check that more box. But she could. And when I say more, I mean the, the moops. The moops. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you, but I felt it in my soul that I had to say that out loud. This entire time that I was writing that, all I could think about was the moops. Ooh, sorry. Looks like it says the moops. <laughs> the moops. Yeah. Um, Seinfeld quote for those at home. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's like if so 500 years ago in my genealogy would be German and English. Does that make me German? No, you're American, baby. Exactly. So (laughs) if she had one black person, I mean, yeah, okay, but I don't think that um, somebody that far back would have given her traits that these people think that make her biracial and or black. Yes. I think people saw that in writing and then kind of just hopped on the idea of it. And they um, didn't like – some people just don't know how genetics work. <laughs> no. No way. Um, so we are going to backtrack on our own claim. That we made a few episodes ago. Yeah, I made a spooky CLT post about that, too. Yeah. I have to go back at that. And then didn't they portray um, in Bridgerton? Yeah, but they had they had all kinds of people in Bridgerton. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. What I was going to say. Um, but yes, they, she was black in Bridgerton. Yes. But then they also had, like, random English royalty that were, like, known white guys yeah. as also black people. Yeah. So they were just, like, casting left and right. As they should. There's nothing wrong with it. No. So. It's like in uh, Boba Fett, how they didn't really cast real Tusken Raiders, you know? (laughs) They didn't really cast a real um, elephant playing the piano. (laughs) (laughs) Or a real robot. I know know his name, and I can't (laughs) think of it right now. (laughs) I had that toy growing up for whatever reason. (laughs) He's a great great character. So so glad that he exploded. He survived that spaceship explosion to be able to come back to the to big screen 20 yeah. years later. Yeah. So, anyway, 
Uh, Valdez also claims that a poem celebrating Charlotte's marriage to King George III is a literary allusion to her appearance. It says, quote, Descendant from the warlike Vandal race, she still preserves that title in her face, end quote. <laughs> you know that she heard that and was just like, man, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so the Vandals were an East Germanic tribe who spread across Europe and had tribes in North Africa after the decline of the Roman Empire. However... The Vandals were colonizers. They were not indigenous people from Africa. So the word Vandal could also be seen as satire because they were barbarians and some think it's just a dig at her German heritage. Leave her alone. So, um, myth busted. Sorry, world. Charlotte was white. Yeah. But regardless, Queen Charlotte's legacy lives on today through cities and towns like our very own. Charlotte, North Carolina, in Charlottesville, Virginia, the Queen Charlotte Sound in New Zealand, and Charlottetown in Canada. And you can even see statues of her uptown in Charlotte, North Carolina today and at our airport, Charlotte Douglas International Airport. Wow. Fantastic. Um, the reason why we named Charlotte after her is because we were trying to mooch up to the king for him to give us money to make a courthouse. And then we took that money to make the courthouse. And do you know what we did we in there? Said... <laughs> we drunkenly wrote a letter saying, F you, king, we want our own country. And then he went mad. And then all the, all the while he was planting beef trees <laughs> and chicken bushes <laughs> And pig hedges. Cat vines. Cat vines. Cat, he wanted some that's, cat That's vines. our YouTube history right there. <laughs> that's, that's true. So the charter, you know, that says, that's from the people of Charlotte, North Carolina, says, Be it therefore enacted by the governor, council, and assembly, and by the authority of the same, that the said 360 acres of land so laid off by the commissioners or trustees as aforesaid be... And the same is hereby constituted, erected, and established a town and town common, and shall be called the name of Charlotte. Did you know that they still write stuff like that, like in that type of language? Therefore, here too. Yeah, so I've been having to read a lot of leases lately um, <laughs> for my new job. And yeah, it uh, it's tiresome. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and almost laughable, but they try to make everything foolproof mm -hmm. um and also they're probably right in this drunk so yep um i feel like there was another charlotte connection that i wanted to bring oh and we know that mecklenburg county named after mecklenburg germany yeah where just, charlotte was born i wanted to say that out loud in case we hadn't already sometimes we skip over like the obvious stuff for us because we know because we like... realize because <laughs> it's obvious <laughs> um and there is a letter that Queen Charlotte sent or hand wrote to Aww. us, and it's in the Robinson Spangler Carolina room at the main library in Uptown Charlotte. But it may be elsewhere because that library is now under construction. Because they're going to do like a billion dollar renovation to it for whatever reason. Taxes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I feel um, like this was a long one. I was going to say something else. Oh, my God. What was it? 
Oh, yeah. Like we said, Queen Charlotte never actually came here, Mm -hmm. which is okay. So all of the statues, um, that statue uptown was made without even seeing a portrait of her. You mean the statue in front of Fitzgerald's? R.I.P. Fitzgerald's. R.I.P. Fitzgerald's. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nice bar. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the tea on Queen Charlotte. Next week is going to be our 50th episode. Wow. And our one-year anniversary. How exciting. Cool. Well, um, hopefully you all, you all enjoyed this one. If you are in Charlotte, um, here's a, that's a strong fun fact for you. Yeah. Um, tell that to your friends. Tell it to your family. Tell it to strangers. Um, Yelling at somebody on the street. Yeah, but don't be too but aggressive. Nicely. <laughs> I got yelled at today. Um, also, a queen city is a city that is larger than the state capital. Yeah, so Queen City is not after Queen Charlotte. I think for us it is. But for like, also the Queen City is like Minneapolis or something. Cleveland. Cleveland. So, you know, that's obviously not named after Queen Cleveland. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. I I think we've said enough. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Thanks for coming back. Happy 2022. Goodbye. Sources for today's episode can be found on our website at anchor.fm slash Old North State Pod. If you want to send us a topic suggestion, a funny story, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at oldnorthstatepod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Old North State Pod. Cheers, y'all! <laughs>